0: Today, you are gonna hear us talk about being intellectually curious and being okay with making mistakes and how that could advance your career and how as leaders, we need to be okay with our team making mistakes as long as we teach and have an open discussion with them. Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts
1: of Dallas-based recruiting firm, Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today the obstacles overcome to reach
0: their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen
1: in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward.
0: And welcome back to the Unity Talks podcast where we meet with DFW executives in the field of accounting, finance, and tax to talk about their story, their leadership, their development, sometimes their passion and what they're passionate about in all of those areas and now we took a little bit of a break since our last recording and our last episode and i cannot believe it i feel like i snapped my fingers and we are already in march of 2022 so good morning good afternoon good evening whichever one it is that you're listening to this podcast and you know in the game of baseball you have a leadoff hitter and the leadoff hitter sets the tone for the team and our guest today is the leadoff hitter for all the executives that we will be meeting in 2022. So no pressure on our guest at all, but he is the vice president, controller, and chief accounting officer at CEC Entertainment. Tony Howard, welcome to the show. Thanks, it's good to be here. You don't feel the pressure of being the leadoff hitter for 2022, do
1: you? No, I am so. I was so terrible at baseball, there's really no pressure. Oh, come on. So, yeah. come on, come we on. You're, you're a sports guy, we
0: just talked about this
1: moving objects no i needed the ball to be on a tee and kind of stopped i could hit the i can't okay. golf ball but when it's moving too too many variables that's
0: a fair point that's yeah. a fair point so let's talk about that okay yep. so Seminole, oklahoma yep a kid from Seminole, oklahoma becomes the chief accounting officer controller vp at cec entertainment now this definitely wasn't in the cards right
1: no you know i i i uh thought I was going to be a pro football player when I was a kid, but uh, I found you needed to be talented athletically to do that. <laughs> so that was, uh, I, got, I opted out of that early. It was also a lot of pain involved in sports, I learned. So anyway, uh, opted out of that quickly. And uh, you know, it was interesting, I contemplated either being a sports writer or an accountant and uh, decided that uh, I thought accounting sounded like a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. And considering what's happened in uh, newspaper writing over the last 30 years, I feel like I made a good call.
0: I think you made a good call. You found your calling. That's what you did.
1: And and I enjoy it. Like, you know, some people would think why would you, how could you be interested in sports writing and accounting? I like the problem solving side of it.
0: Yeah, well, hey, look now, The pga tour did miss out right because we we were going to go pro in golf right
1: uh yes yes aside from a lack of attention to detail yes i would have been there yeah that would
0: help right yeah the lack of attention the ability to stick to something for a long period of time yes right Yes. yes well we really do appreciate you coming on our show today so and you are our leadoff hitter and we're super excited about the lineup that we have this year and we're really excited that you're gonna be here Glad to be here. All right. So one of the topics that we wanted to talk about is just your diverse background. Okay. You have a super diverse background in terms of the industries that you've been in. You started in public accounting. You've been in real estate. You've been in software. You've been in hospitality. You've been in the restaurant business Mm -hmm. and a few other business outsourcing acquisitions of companies. Mm -hmm. And that's created an incredibly diverse background. And that's something that you look for in people. Tell us a little bit about the diversity of background on how that's opened up doors for you, yeah. as well as how you look for that in people that you hire.
1: Yeah, You know, I, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I worked in public accounting for four years, and that was super foundational for me for probably, well, up until this job at CEC, um, every every job that I had came from somebody I met when I, when I worked at Arthur Anderson back in the late 80s and early 90s. So I was fortunate enough to meet a couple of people there that believed in me and saw potential in me. And I really ended up following uh, one gentleman around for a a multitude of jobs and he hopped industries and I got to hop industries with him. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really a strategy of mine to do that, but it really just kind of, it it happened. Um, And I really liked the diversity of, of what that brought me. You know, you mentioned acquisitions, Uh, a couple of the companies I worked for were very, were very acquisitive. And um, that also just brought a diversity of things. You know, when I, I worked at a company that was originally called FYI Incorporated, we bought a lot of companies around business process outsourcing, but they ran the gamut from being litigation consulting to making copies of medical records or even just cold storage of medical, of of different records. And so I found myself sometimes asking these people that we had acquired their business, like, why'd you sell? Like, you know, you had this successful business, you were in good shape, it was making money, why did you opt out? And just asking some of those questions, making sure, it was the right time to ask those questions is, is, is sure. as well yeah um, but I just started asking people questions about the different things and it I thought it brought out a very rich diversity and kind of understanding what was going on with different firms
0: well so you're intellectually curious right you're yeah. not just there to do accounting some people are they're right. just yeah debits and credits all day long but you went that extra step to yeah. what's the why behind the what as yeah. I often say Yep. So, h- how did that open doors? Because it, it sounds like you followed a mentor around. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna call him a mentor. You yep. didn't label it that, but I'm I'm gonna call him a mentor. You you followed a mentor around, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't the only reason you got those jobs, right? And and so, what doors do you feel like this diversity in your career has has opened for you?
1: Um, I I, I think what it does now is, you know, I was in a job search uh, in 2019 before I came to CEC, and that diversity really allowed me to go look at different businesses, and when people would say, well, you don't have experience in X, I could talk to them about how the experiences that I did have might translate, and I feel like that's one of the things that I've done well in my career, is learning something and learning how to apply it in a current circumstance. I could recall back on something that I had done previously uh, and what I learned from that and applied into an, into a new data set or into a new environment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, being able to sell myself in that was key in, in showing people how, uh, how something I learned uh, doing acquisitions might relate to going to work in a software company and how, how do you go from a software company into a 40-year-old hotel company, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of those uh, asking, asking questions around that was just was super helpful.
0: Yeah, well, you know, there's that saying, you don't know what you don't know. Right. If you lop off the first two words of that, it's you should seek to know what you don't know. And that's the intellectual curiosity yeah. that you're talking about, Yes. right?
1: I think one of the things that's important is to know, knowing what you don't know Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with going to ask that question or to look it up. I drive my wife crazy sometimes because uh, I'm just quick to grab my phone and go look up an answer to something. If we're in a conversation with some friends and somebody asks a question, I don't know the answer. I might just go grab my phone and go look at it because like, hey, we're here. The internet's really cool to look things up and if you know how to look around, you you can find things quickly. And so I find myself Uh, just having that intellectual curiosity, not only in the business setting, but it it permeates through kind of most of the things that I do, either professionally or personally.
0: Well, I gotta feel that, you know, sometimes as accounting and finance professionals and tax professionals, of which I was once one many, many moons ago, and I would be terrible at it right now. You rehabilitated nicely. Thank you, I appreciate that, (laughs) yes. Just don't ask me about my golf swing. I feel that we become so focused on the numbers and mm-hmm. journal entries or what our specific job is. But everything I'm hearing from you today means you can talk to a restaurant owner or a hotel owner, mm-hmm. and you can talk about financial results with non-financial people to help them improve their business. Mm-hmm. How valuable is that for a skill for an accountant?
1: I, I think it's it's vital to progressing in our career because I think in uh, there becomes a point where you have to get beyond the numbers, right? Like oftentimes people refer to accountants as bean counters, and it kind of makes me bristle because I feel like to do your job well, not only do you need to, you know, you're looking for accuracy of the numbers, obviously, but it helps to be accurate if you understand what's what the inputs in, what the outputs are, what the reader is looking for, and so for me, I've always kind of wanted to understand. Hey, I'm doing this, but where does this fit in the overall piece of the puzzle? Mm-hmm. And that mentor that we referred to earlier, some of them I, I worked for a gentleman named Tim Barker for you know close to 20 years, and some of our biggest arguments in that time were a result of me wanting him to slow down and tell me what the big picture was, and he just need, we just needed to get it done mm-hmm. right. And I'm like, wait, I need I need the picture, and so. Uh, Yeah, we we got through those things obviously, but I really feel like that's the way that accountants can separate themselves. Because if you're boiling accounting down to, hey, this is just a rate times a unit and you're just moving it through, a lot of that jobs are subject to people outsourcing it to moving it offshore, because they just want the keystroke. They just want the data in the system. But I think the value for the white collar worker that's an accountant is understanding those numbers, interpreting those numbers, being able to speak to other people about those numbers, and maybe even trying to help them find a root cause of, hey, that number, we don't like that number. How do we go, not that we're gonna change the number, but how do we understand what tipping points are and what influence factors are so that the next time we can, maybe it leaks into operations and we can find out how we need to do something differently.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny, as I'm listening to the words that you're saying, I'm sitting here going, man, why do we have job descriptions that people say, this is the only thing I'm responsible for because we really want them to do more. And taking that a step further, you know, your title is an accountant. Mm-hmm. We want people to be business people. And they have a specialty in accounting, right? But we really need them to be business people first, with just a specialty in accounting or tax or finance or one of those other fields. Right. That's the well-rounded person that we're looking for. Right. You know.
1: To your point, I think though, a lot of times the most interesting part of the job description is other duties as assigned. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of the stuff you put in the job description, that's the base job, right? That's what you need done on a core basis, and a lot of times, obviously, that's got to be done but it's not the it's not the most life-giving or value-add part of the job right and so that other duties those special projects that come in those transactions that come in in business today getting to be a part of those and and running into those problems and running through those problems and solving those that's the fun stuff booking journal entries not that exciting
0: amen amen i did it for like three months and i thought (laughs) i got to get in a finance job out of this accounting job okay so how do you then translate that to people you are looking for on your team because certainly you're looking for someone with a diversity of background mm-hmm. you're looking for a business person, not just an accountant. How do you identify that while you're interviewing people or looking at their resume
1: you know uh, that's a that's a great question, David. I think uh, a lot of times i mean you can you can look at the resume and you can Figure out if they've had a diversity from a background, but if I'm if I'm interviewing a junior worker that has the resume kind of struggles to fit a page yet because they don't have a lot of experience, you can look and see what those extracurricular interests were, right? Uh, you can also just talk to them, throw some questions out to them, and see how they handle them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that also depends upon, you know, working at CEC. Uh, it's an exciting environment right now. We're doing a lot of interesting things, but at its core, we're a family entertainment center owner and operator. So the core business is very stable. So if I'm interviewing someone to work and help us do store accounting, I probably, that's a little bit more routine. While I want them to understand those numbers and continue to add value, uh, we've also are looking at new businesses around how we monetize uh, the trade name of, of CEC. There's complexity in that. So I probably need someone that's a little bit more free thinker that's done a lot of different things, right? So one of the more interesting people I worked with in public accounting, um, got a pre-med undergrad degree and then realized, Med school is like a long time. I don't want to really, do that. It's really hard yeah. and a chemistry and. So he jumped over into uh, into accounting and, and finishes MPA at, at UT, uh, and he was just a super bright guy because he hadn't had four years of kind of beating him into a funnel in the business mm-hmm. school. Right? Love that, yeah. So he just kind of looked at it differently. So I think, you know diversity is a big topic in the public sector today as it should be and i think uh one of the things that's important to get that diversity of the diversity of background and diversity of thought uh is is important as well
0: amen yeah we want diversity of character diversity of people background thought Mm -hmm. all of those we should be cherishing those as leaders and organizations seeking them out and not only should we be seeking them out, if you are one of those people, you should be seeking those jobs and you should be looking to display that to the leaders that you're interviewing with. And if you're not getting it in your current organization, you actually should be questioning, why am I working in this org- organization that I'm in right now? So I think that's a great point. I, I want to touch on one thing that you said and you snuck it in there mm-hmm. and-, and I loved it because it's going to transition us real quick. So. Okay you followed Tim Barker mm-hmm. around for 20 or so years right mm-hmm. and he went to a company you went to a company and then you slid in this comment and you said you know some of the biggest arguments that we got into were because I wanted to know why we were doing something and Tim wanted to blaze through and just get it done right and you use the word arguments
1: mm-hmm.
0: because y'all were approaching things from a different line of of thought you weren't right arguments like all right let's go out behind the dumpster and get into a fight right you know but and and i actually really like that because that's how you progress and that's how you got better and that's actually how tim got better because you put him in a position mm-hmm. to have to teach you more yeah. and i think in today's culture and society we're so worried about um being questioned or you know um puffing your chest out a little bit. And um, there's a little bit of an ego or a pride thing that gets into the way. Yeah. And you've worked through that. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like that because I think that people can develop at a faster rate. If if I I don't want to use the word confrontational because I don't want people to be confrontational, but I want people to be empowered to use their voice to question why things are done the certain way.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, he and I had some great discussions a lot of times, and Tim was great at looking at problems from 360 degrees. And so sometimes, man, I would leave those conversations like, okay, I'm an idiot. Um, But I also learned to disassociate a little bit and look at like an intellectual exercise and going, okay, this guy thinks about problems at a level that I don't think about them at yet. Let's go have this discussion. Know that I'm probably going to get asked questions. I don't know how to answer know that I'm probably going to get a little bit exasperated, but go, okay, that's a good question. I'm going to go find out the answer. Yeah. And so humbling ourselves and saying, I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with saying, I don't know. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I got very comfortable with that. Um, Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have done 20 years working with him, but I learned a ton from taking that as an intellectual exercise and it made me think about things better and, you know, I grew to pause and go, okay, how is my boss going to think about this? How is he going to look at this? uh and then sometimes I was getting in front of those discussions
0: yeah right yeah so it's 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 not a it's not a personal exercise though it does impact you personally because that's part of your professional life Mm -hmm. so it is a positive impact to you professionally but it's not an attack on someone personally or it shouldn't be if it is again you're in the wrong environment if it's a a personal attack but that's how you develop in your career mm-hmm. and, and beca- have that diverse background mm-hmm. and be able to work through situations with people. And that can bleed over into your yeah. personal life as well.
1: But I, I would also say I ruffled a lot of feathers during that, dur- dur- in asking those questions and you have to be, you have to be mindful of the words that you use, right? Like I, I really upset a gentleman at a previous job because I said, that doesn't make sense. And what really I should have said was, I don't understand that yet. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about where that's coming from? And instead, I just blurted it out, that doesn't make sense. Was not received well. Uh, If I would have been on the other side of that discussion, I probably wouldn't have received it that well either, right? And so saying hey can you tell me more about that is a lot better way of going through that discovery than that doesn't make sense because I told him his point of view was dumb and he he failed to appreciate that alarming yeah
0: yeah <laughs> surprise surprise yeah no that's great advice I, I'm, you, as you're saying that I'm thinking back to all the times I've said well that doesn't make sense and verbalized that to someone and and how that landed on their ears which was probably not very positive yeah so you've been you've actually been in some we'll call it, you've had great leaders, but Mm -hmm. you've been in some tough environments. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel where I was going with this originally on this transition is I kind of feel like um, you can't really in today's workplace, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you cannot, leaders cannot treat people, employees, Mm -hmm. the way employees were treated, whatever, 1980s, 90s, whatever it is. Mm especially now this is magnified because we're coming on the heels of a pandemic and you know two years at home or two years in this work environment and you've got the great resignation and we have to hang on to our employees and and we've got a millennial generation entering the workforce that's taking over the workforce as part of the predominant population in the workforce who they're just not going to stand for it they'll just leave you and so how have you made that transition using what you've been through in your past mm-hmm. in leading the organization that you do now?
1: That's a, that's a great question. You know, you, you and I were prepping the other day. We talked a little bit about how sports has kind of informed leadership a little bit for, mm-hmm. for each of us, right? And so I'm gonna correlate this to transfer portal. Coaches have to recruit their present team to make sure that they don't re up for the transfer portal. And so I've come to the approach of, I need to recruit every day, right? And I do think some people, I think different generations are different, but I also believe that there's some things that transcend generations. Uh, A lot of people want to understand, regardless of their age, where they fit in, where does what I'm doing fit into the big picture? So if that person that's in payroll realizes hey, we need to make sure that our people are paid accurately, that they're paid promptly, because we want to deliver a great guest experience. I don't need the person that's taken an order at, uh, at a Chuck E Cheese store or hosting a birthday party, getting a text message saying, hey, uh, a check didn't clear, your check didn't clear because we didn't get your paycheck, right? All of a sudden, uh, that host's ability to deliver a great customer experience, he or she may be able to pull that off, but man, that became a lot more distracting to do, right? And so I think it's important whether you're talking about someone that's processing payroll or the financial reporting manager that sit right outside the CFO's office, help them understand what they're doing, where it's important and what it means. I think that works for my generation. I think it works for somebody that's coming fresh out of college, right? That's right. So I, I, I try to make sure that people understand where their work is and where it fits. But I, but I also think we, particularly today in this great resignation time, we have to create welcoming and compelling environments for people to work in, right? Because if you, if you don't, they will go find one that is. More and more people realize uh, as employers that they need to create a good environment for people to work in. Uh, it creates a happier employer, it creates a more productive employee. studies out there that will dare even say people will accept a lower wage to work at a job that they enjoy yes right yes because otherwise it's combat pay
0: yes and and here's where and here's where we're at right now yes there are studies that say people will accept a lower wage Mm -hmm. but wages are increasing and cost of living is skyrocketing exactly and eventually it's going to get passed on to a consumer if it hasn't already been passed on to a consumer one of the things though that you said which i think is really valuable to just pause on for a second is you know, you said recruit every day, you have to recruit your people every day. And I love that quote. That's an easy quote to remember recruit every day. But the example you gave was the people working in the store and the cashier at the store, that person doesn't report directly to you, right? But the person that does report in your organization influences that person. Right. And so you need to treat the person that works for you directly. You Mm -hmm. need to recruit them every day.
1: Right. They
0: may not give you the feedback because you're the big boss man. It's like, well, I'm uh, okay, Tony, whatever you say. Right, But then they're gonna push it down the line to the person at the cash register at a store that's interfacing with the customer, a paying customer. Right. And so there is a trickle down effect to how you treat your people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important because if you recruit every single day then it's, it should be implied and expected and probably needs to be trained that your people should recruit every day. Right. Would you agree?
1: I would agree. I yeah. would agree. And you know, I, I alluded earlier to the compensation piece of things that I would say, that's not the reason to do it. it the right thing to do is to pre, to treat people with respect, with dignity and with grace. And you know, we can put on our number crunching hats and go, Oh, well, that might lead to a lower cost of wages. Well, that's a great discussion for a different time. But the reality is it's the right thing to do to treat people well, to treat them with dignity, to treat them with grace and respect. That's part of what they're looking for.
0: Okay. So what happens when people make mistakes? Okay. So someone makes mistakes. How do you, how do you respond to them? What's incumbent upon you?
1: You know, I, I've been very fortunate that um, the leaders that I've worked for have put up with a lot of mistakes from me. You know, uh, I've had that discussion where I realized I was working on something when, when RealPage was going public. Um, realized that I had made a mistake on a pretty critical spreadsheet and had to call my boss and go, yeah, this is this is messed up. And uh, I mean, I literally, I had been recruited there. I'd worked for this gentleman for, you know, 15 years at this point, And I was expecting him to go, okay, that's the last one you're done. Uh, and I explained the situation and he was like, I kind of, I think I like that outcome anyway. I think we can work with that. It's, it's, it's no big deal. And so I went from thinking, I'm going to get fired yeah. to, okay, somehow he turned that into a win, right? And so uh, one of the things I, I, I think what uh, many of the people that I've worked for have done is to receive that bad news well, to receive that, hey, this is, this is wrong, right? Or we've made an error here. But you and I were talking the other day and I, I said, Part of what i'm trying to formulate around that is is making new mistakes right so that we're all going to make mistakes but i think where we differentiate ourselves is how we uh how we rally from that how do we reduce the chance of making the same mistake how do we you know plug that gap to plug that control process uh maybe we need to have a report written that highlights the issue Maybe we need to slow down and look at the information we already have, whatever the case may be, but let's learn from that mistake so that the next thing, the next mistake we make isn't the same one. Right. And I I think also part of that comes from uh, the other side of that is not being afraid to try, try some new things and go, okay, how does that not work? But I think ultimately as a leader, it's incumbent upon us to do like my boss did for me and to receive that mistake well and not... Uh, not be undignified, not to be disrespectful, but to process that information, right? Because if we, if I, as a leader, get bad news delivered to me that one of my team members has made a mistake and I don't receive that well, the next mistake-
0: You're not gonna know about.
1: I'm not gonna know about it. They're gonna wait until the last possible minute or till somebody else tells me about it, right? Uh, And so if we don't receive that information well, then all of a sudden, we're not going to get that information at all next time, except when it's coming through a totally different information channel that we don't want.
0: Well, and a couple of things about it. So what you said, um, make new mistakes. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: We we want to learn from it. Right. So it's incumbent upon the leader to actually teach. This was a mistake. It's, it's not chicken little, the sky's falling. It's gonna be okay. We just right. fix it, right? What's, right. The, what's the next best thing to do right now in this moment? Right. The mistake's done. We need to move forward. And we don't want to make the same mistake. So you can't just say, well, this was wrong and then the leader fixes it and it's swept under the rug. You have to show them or else this is going to be, especially in accounting. Right? I mean, this is a, a monthly recurring thing. A lot of what happens is monthly. So we don't want this happening monthly, right? You do want to give instruction with grace, right? Because you want to create an entire office environment that we're all gonna make mistakes. Matter of fact, it's almost as if, if you're not making mistakes, maybe you're not testing boundaries enough. Now it doesn't mean you have free reign of just running around like screwing everything up. I just thought it would see if it would work. You know, that's not that, but we really, that's how how advancements in technology happen is, oh, I stumbled across, you did the same thing, right? You made a spreadsheet mistake and your boss says, well, I kinda like this outcome a little bit better. Right, And who knows, you're not there anymore, but who knows, maybe they're still using whatever methodology came from that to this day.
1: I think we got that out of Excel, thankfully. But, but to, to your point, I think one of, the, one of the inventions I loved about Excel was undo. Like the first spreadsheet versions didn't have undo. It was so there. if you messed it up, you got to start over, or you yeah. hoped you didn't save it, right? But being able to go, wait, I can hit control Z. it's all good now right like in life we don't necessarily have the undo but we can make sure we don't hit the repeat button
0: well i love that and the undo um we don't have to hit the repeat button um we need to be okay with making some of those mistakes and then as leaders you know it's almost like you have to model that because Lord knows I make mistakes all the time. I mean, I'm really good at it because I'm more of an action-oriented person. So it's like, I don't really want to think about this much more. Let's just go and see what happens. Right. And I make a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, I'm okay with modeling that, well, I screwed that up. And everybody's gonna know that I screwed it up because I'll tell them, look, I screwed that up. This is what I did. Here's how I fixed it. And I'm okay with them knowing that, hoping that they learn that it's okay if they mess up something. Right. Matter of fact, at one point in time, a couple of, uh, I think it was probably a year ago, my objective for one of our employees was, I want you to make three big mistakes because I wanted the envelope pushed yeah. a little bit more. Not not mistakes that are going to cost us our business yeah but i want you i am good with you making these mistakes because i want to empower you to make those decisions right so i love that okay so here's the deal we're wrapping up here and tony i've got to know what is a piece of actionable advice that you could give to our audience where they could actually go implement something one or two things that maybe it's something that we talked about a diversity intellectual curiosity in your career be okay with making new mistakes right and be gracious in advising how to correct those mistakes and in leading people and recruiting them every day
1: Um, I I would say something that's on my mind a lot these days is around that making new mistakes piece is really thinking about mistakes also from an aspect of what's what's the risk and what's the probability of the mistake. I think sometimes today we're so determined not to make a mistake or not to have an event happen that we don't contemplate what's the likelihood of that happening. And you know, what is, let's think about probability and let's think about risk associated with that. And so sometimes as we think about it, if we're trying to get comfortable making mistakes, we also might need to think about how do I mitigate the mistake? Mm-hmm. So, so then it's okay to make the mistake because I've mitigated it so that the harm in doing the mistake is is less. But if we if we get prideful to where we want to be perfect and we want to be error-free, we lose that context of risk and probability. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a book I listened to a couple of years ago called Thinking in Bets, and it was written by someone that's way better at math than me. But she, she really drove home this concept of looking at things from a probability that mm-hmm. while there might be a binary outcome there's oftentimes not a 50-50 probability. So you have to look at those things differently. So I think about mistakes sometimes in that regard of what's the probability of that recurring again. You know, many people are working in fast-paced environments. We're dealing with the great resignation. So resources are thin. The economy in a lot of areas is booming. So not only do I, Do I have staffing shortages? I've got increased business activity. It's kind of that people are stretched. I think you have to look at some of the things that you're doing and go, okay, I need to look at the risk of not doing that, the probability of something bad happening if I don't do that. Or as new things are coming in, also doing that triage of, What's the probability of something bad happening of that and what's the materiality of that and sometimes you risk assess those yeah. and kind of push them to the side
0: okay so this that's a higher level discussion right mm-hmm. that's higher level thought that's not like you said she's way better at math than i am and not that y'all are trying to figure out all these ratios and calculations my question is do you have that open discussion with the person the people in the room and do you invite people in the room to have that open discussion do you invite a staff accountant in the room and and take them through that whether it's whiteboarding it because it is higher level of thought
1: yes i uh i really think it's important to bring in junior team members into that discussion whether it's a direct report of mine or whether it's somebody that is a couple of couple of of dots down in the organization uh if they're involved in the situation let's bring them and let them hear that discussion and go through that problem solving because to me at this point you know, I've been out of public accounting for, for 30 years this year, and it's not about booking journal entries. What I get the most enjoyment out of is about t- is, is teaching people and seeing them grow and seeing them do new things. And I think some of my staff might get tired of some of the stories that I tell them, but I'm trying to share with them some of my experiences and think about how does that experience translate to CEC, right.
0: Tony, we have a couple of people sitting in the room with us today and I'm sure they're just done with the stories I tell them in my history because they get it all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you so much for joining us today and we hope that you got as much, I hope that you got as much out of this as I did today. And when you do make those mistakes and you're building that diversity in your career, the one thing we need to remember is that you first have to own the results Just own it and walk into that leader's office or walk into the cube next to you and own the results because that's how you're going to get better. It's one of our core values at Unity Search. I would highly recommend that to be a personal core value for anybody that's listening to this podcast. And with that, we'll see you next time.
1: If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing
0: piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step Unity Search, placing you first.